it was tense in the household. It was, it was very tense in the household. My my wife literally didn't speak to me for three days <laughs> for, for that wow. act. But it put wow. pressure on me. It definitely put pressure on me and made me realize that, okay, I got to make this thing work. This is Blair Durham with Black Wall Street Today, your media hub for all things black entrepreneurship, politics, news, and events in Hampton Roads and beyond. Wouldn't you like to be a guest on Black Wall Street today with Blair Durham? Well, the link is in the show notes. And now, here's your host, Blair Durham. Greetings, 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 greetings. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this 138th edition of Black Wall Street Today with Blair Durham. Good to be with you all. Today's show is sponsored by Milestone Mental Health Agency, as well as Apex Financial Group of Virginia and the COO team. Joining us first is Miss Elisa Reed Lofton. She is the Diversity and Inclusion Manager for the Alzheimer's Association of Southeastern Virginia, where she works to bring Alzheimer's education programs to diverse communities. Welcome, Elisa. Lisa, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you. Um, you and I have been talking a bit over the last year plus just about the impact um, regarding Alzheimer's in the Black community. So I felt this is an important topic. Um, I don't know to what extent our community is really aware of some of the work that your organization does. Um, and I don't know to what extent they're aware of the relationship, some of those linkages between our community and this particular disease. So very glad to have you on today. Very excited to be here. So, you know, we call it old timers, Alzheimer's, like what is Alzheimer's disease? So Alzheimer's disease is a degenerative brain disease. Um, It is caused by dementia. So people get that confused often where they use Alzheimer's and dementia um, pretty much at the same time. So someone would get diagnosed with dementia if they're having symptoms like confusion, memory loss, agitation. You may see that in your loved one happening um, every now and then. And just be curious, like, what is actually going on here? And Mm so if diagnosed with dementia, um, they will most likely be referred to um, most likely uh, geriatrician, neuropsychologist, or um, neurologist to find out exactly what's causing that those symptoms. <laughs> so they will, um, you know, rule it out as anything that could be, um, you know, reversible, like a vitamin deficiency or something, and then do further testing. And Alzheimer's is the number one disease that causes dementia symptoms. Got it. Got it. Very important distinction there between uh, dementia and Alzheimer's. And so may I ask you this, what percentage of those that are diagnosed with dementia will actually progress to an Alzheimer's diagnosis as well? So that's something that we really haven't, that we really don't have numbers for due to the fact that Prior, I want to say like maybe like 20 years ago when this when Alzheimer's kind of started becoming like a prevalent thing people were talking about, they were diagnosing it when someone would pass, when they would look at the brain and they would see the shrinkage of the brain, the hardening of the brain. Um, not everyone gets Alzheimer's that gets dementia because it could be a number of other things like Lewy body dementia, vascular dementia, or they could have had, you know, some sort of traumatic brain injury that could progress into Alzheimer's disease, but maybe not. So everyone doesn't get dementia. 
show. Um, everyone should definitely get tested if you've had a brain um, injury, if you've had any sort of stroke. Um, if those things are common in someone, they should definitely talk with their physician about their brain health to find out exactly what happens. There isn't a definitive test as of as of now that says, yes, this is going to be Alzheimer's disease. However, they can do PET scans to find the amyloid plaque that is associated with Alzheimer's disease in the brain. Makes sense. Okay. Um, let's get into the conversation about health disparities with regard to Alzheimer's. Um, and, and so I kind of already let the cat out of the bag that uh, the African-American community is, I don't know if there's a genetic predisposition. Talk to us about why that linkage exists. So African-Americans are twice as likely to be diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease than their white counterparts. And that's if they even get that diagnosis. And so those reasons could be, you know, lack of access, lack of resources, lack of, you know, education surrounding the disease and other health issues. But also African-Americans have higher rates of hypertension as well as diabetes later in life. And there is a correlation there. However, studies are still being done to find out exactly why that's happening. So when you think about someone who has strokes that their vascular system and that could lead to vascular dementia um, another dementia and so we want to make sure that people are understanding that we have other comorbidities that are affecting us at different rates so we need to be aware of those things so if you have hypertension or diabetes making sure that you're seeing your doctor regularly keeping on top of your numbers and having those conversations with your physician about those things that could be affecting you because it's important to talk about our brain health just as important as it is to talk about our hypertension Mm-hmm. Sounds like there could be a um, a component around health, around nutrition. What are some of those things? I know um, just in learning about, for example, blueberries and the protective factor that they serve in terms of our memory. I kind of, you know, jokingly say to my parents, make sure you consume your blueberries, get you some blueberry extract, right, as they're beginning to age. Um, what, what are your thoughts there around the relationship between nutrition and Alzheimer's? So we have um, a session called healthy, uh, healthy living for your brain and body. So basically anything that you would do to keep a healthy heart, you would do to keep a healthy brain. So making sure that you're getting your dark leafy greens, eating your vegetables, making sure your meat is lean if you are a meat eater. Um, Also making sure you're getting your fruits, your vegetables, and 30 minutes a day of any type of um, physical exercise, whether that is walking, running. You don't have to be a bodybuilder, but it should be 30 minutes of something that's going to get your heart rate going um, to make sure that you're just keeping healthy and you're staying on top of your food. There are plenty of people who will call in and they'll say, well, what about this diet? What about this diet? What about this supplement? And of course, the association um, and the field offices, we're not clinical, so we would never give that type of information, but keeping people on top of you know their health and making sure they're getting exercise and having a good diet. If you've just tuned in, this is Blair Durham with Black Wall Street Today, um, talking with our guest, Elisa Reed Lofton, the Diversity and Inclusion Manager for the local Alzheimer's Association, uh, having a very relevant conversation about protective factors, um, ways in which we can reduce the risk of being diagnosed with dementia and then um, Alzheimer's disease. So thank you for that. 
you know, you, you made it sound so easy <laughs> talking about, you know, what it is that we need to kind of partake in on a regular basis, the exercise component, you know, we hear these things all the time and I just have to kind of ask the elephant in the room question around what it, what it is or what it may be that kind of keeps us, you know, the black community from being able to, you know, make those things happen. Um, and when you're, when you're doing your classes and your outreach and so forth, what is it that you're hearing by way of feedback um, from, from members of our community? I think a lot of it um, stems from stigma. Um, we've had some community forums over the past three years in many different communities. And of course, mine were focusing on the African-American community. And hearing across the board, across the board is this stigma that people don't want to talk about it. Um, we don't want to talk about this because we don't want to be embarrassed or the person who is living with the dementia or suspect living with dementia doesn't want people to know because they might, they think people are going to think that they're crazy and may not want to deal with them and have this stigma attached to them. I think also we don't have these tough conversations in our community until a crisis happens. So we may, you know, go about life as everything is fine, but then when grandmother or, you know, or our grandfather falls, they have a fall or, you know, they have a stroke and then we're bombarded with stroke and this and this and this, and then this may lead to, you know, some sort of dementia because we've got to figure out how the brain is affected. And that's when we focus in on our health is when something really bad happens. And so it's important for us as a community to have these conversations earlier, um, to start thinking about ourselves as well. Um, age is the biggest risk factor for Alzheimer's disease for anyone. So as we age, we're all, you know, at risk for getting Alzheimer's disease. Of course, that risk is going to be a little bit higher if you have a parent or both parents who have Alzheimer's disease as well. So it's important to start thinking about, you know, even at my age, I think about it. My parents are in their 60s. So I'm kind of like listening to the conversation more intently with both of them. Like, OK, you just told me that last week, dad, or you just told me that before. Or are you having your conversation about your brain with your physician when you go for your annual wellness check? Having those conversations. But then if someone's diagnosed at 65, they probably have been having symptoms for 10 to 20 years prior. So in your 40s, thinking about, I need to have these conversations with my doctor. I need to start thinking about my health because it's paramount. It's wealth. You know, if you're thinking about your health at 40, you're setting yourself up for wealth later because there are more years that you're adding to your life that you can actually do things with your family, spend time with your family um, and get your younger, the younger generation, your family to pay attention to their health as well. Um, so I think we're not having these conversations sooner. Um, sometimes we're not having them at all. And it's important that we start somewhere to start having that health conversation. And this may seem a bit obvious, but I, I also want to ask you if you would just run down again, um, some of those kind of early warning signs, symptoms, you know, how do I know if Things may be going awry. 
So if you are having memory problems that are affecting your everyday life, so we all forget our keys or our phone. I think I run around the house on my phone looking for my phone on a daily basis, right? Because we're multitasking. We've got so much to do. Um, But if you are losing your keys and you can't retrace your steps, so memory loss and you can't retrace where you had them last. If you notice your loved one is putting things where they shouldn't put them. So sometimes we'll hear my loved one is putting milk in the cabinet, you know, keys in the microwave, turning on burners on the stove and forgetting about them. Um, If they're having issues with um, spatial issues, not being able to see things the way that you see them, falls, like stepping off of a curb, going upstairs and not being able to visualize how steep that step is or how low the curb is. You may also notice things um, around the holidays when we get a lot of phone calls when families will come into town and say, my mom's mortgage is five months past due because she forgot she had a mortgage. Um, bills not being paid or paying lots of money um, to telemarketers or television ads. And then when boxes come, they're like, I have no idea what this is. Noticing confusion, agitation um, happening very often. Um, little things like them, you know, knowing a recipe, missing a step. Um, and you're, you're like, okay, this is a little bit abnormal. This is something that this person makes all the time. And you're noticing maybe they put salt instead of sugar or no sugar at all. And it's paying attention to things like just thinking, you know, knowing your loved one and saying, this doesn't seem right, but let me, you know, just kind of keep a log about what's going on and ask other family members who are around if they've noticed things. And another thing is getting lost. Um, lots of times those who are living with dementia in the early stages may get out and go somewhere and have a direct intention of going to, you know, Harris Cedar and they may end up in a totally different city not knowing where they are. Um, so keeping track of, you know, where they are, what's happening, going on around them. Um, if you suspect those things, you can also always call into the association and have a conversation with the social worker and they'll definitely walk you through that information, through that. But looking at those things, looking at you know, what they're missing and if they need memory aids, you know, if they're having to write down something every single day and it's the same thing all the time, you'll know that something is going on with their memory. Makes sense. We talked about Alzheimer's uh, as degenerative. What? So I have to ask this question as well, because I'm like a, a food as health, food as medicine kind of person. I start to notice some memory issues or even some spatial issues. Mm-hmm. Um, to what extent could making some changes in my diet kind of mm-hmm. help to improve those conditions? Do we see cases where folks get a little better? Um, or is it always the case that once this starts, there has to be a decline? So with Alzheimer's disease, once it starts, there is a decline. Um, there are things that someone can do that's diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease um, that can keep them independent a little bit longer, like socialization, continuing to be involved in anything that they've been involved in, whether it's gardening, playing cards, walking, going to a social club, just to keep them engaged. And studies have shown that keeping that person engaged um, is going to keep them independent longer. However, it is not going to slow the progression of the disease of Alzheimer's disease. Now, there are other dementias where you can do things to help you stay where you are, depending on what that dementia is and what that neuro- how that neurologist assesses you and where you are and what their thoughts are. But specifically for Alzheimer's disease, there is currently no cure for Alzheimer's disease. It is eventually, unfortunately, 
fatal. Um, and so that is why we work so hard to do what we do to find a cure for Alzheimer's disease. Yeah, that was going to be my follow up question is what are some of the resources that the um, association is providing? What exactly is the work that you do um, with the association? So at the association um, here at our chapter, we have community education programs, which starts everything from starting with healthy, your healthy brain and body, body moving into um, talking about. Um, understanding Alzheimer's, the 10 signs, all the way up to legal and financial to make sure that someone who was diagnosed in their family has all of the education that they would need throughout the course of the disease. We have support groups for local for caregivers and their loved ones. We have um, early stage engagement programs pre-COVID. We were doing those, in, we were doing all of this in person. We've been doing it virtually for over a year now. So early stage programs with um, art galleries, um, also um, ballroom dancing, things to keep people engaged and keeping them independent uh, again. Also community forums where we go out and we hear from the community where we need to fill in the gaps, where are you getting your information from, where do we need to be, and who do we need to talk to in your community to make sure these services are available. Um, we also partner with other organizations to do programs um, year-round, and then of course we have our longest day fundraiser, which is basically something that you would do um, for the longest day, which is a summer solstice, um, and to raise money for Alzheimer's research. And so some people go biking they bike year round. Some people go caving. Um, my boss actually went caving and she also climbed a mountain in Colorado. And so people do many things and some kids will ride their bikes in their neighborhood and they will ask people to, you know, help them with funding. And then we have our six walks um, throughout September and October. So our first one, I believe, is September 25th in Chesapeake. And we walk to end Alzheimer's. Last year, we walked in our neighborhoods. This year, we are going to walk in person in our neighborhoods. And you can be a part of that. And those who are caregivers will come and talk about their stories. Um, allies will come out, those who have lost someone with Alzheimer's disease, um, just to come out and, you know, bring awareness to this terrible disease and talk about the need for funding for more research. I was going to ask, so a lot of activity, and I know the intended impact is to end Alzheimer's. What are some of those kind of intermediate impact goals uh, of the organization? So we have an advocacy, we have an advocacy manager who walk, works throughout the state with all four of our chapters in the state. Um, and they do this across the country as well. And so they have um, our forum, we have our advocacy forum, our day on the hill, where we actually have ambassadors that will speak with their local legislatures, at least, sorry, local legislators on- No um, problem. Only 2 million people listening, all good. <laughs> <laughs> So we will speak with our local of uh, their local legislators on talking about, um, you know, funding, having them to, um, you know, support us in what we're doing, what we're asking for to go and ask for this funding for Alzheimer's disease. And so those are the goals that they have in between. But every year we're doing this in January and then also in May, having this forum and then also having our day on the hill in Richmond. And so there are dedicated volunteers who are caregivers, were caregivers um, and are just really wanting to be a part of this cause where they go and they talk to their leaders um, on our behalf and they're very passionate 
passionate about what we do. And so our, our goal, my goal um, as diversity manager with the association is to make sure as many people in our area know about the Alzheimer's Association. They know that we're here. They know that we have programs that are free to them and education where that they can access to help them through their caregiving, um, education about the disease and how other ways that they can actually be involved. I love it. Yeah, talk to us now about how you can be contacted. Give us the association's web details, social media, all of those great things. So you can reach us um, at www.alz.org backslash SEVA, S-E-V-A. And that's how you can reach the local Alzheimer's Association office. You can also call our 1-800 number that is 24-7, 365 days a year. It is 1-800-272-3900. They will walk you through whatever you're dealing with. So if you're dealing with a behavior, you suspect your loved one is dealing with dementia, or you have questions about care, they will walk you through it all. Then they will send a follow-up to your local chapter, and then someone at the local chapter will reach out to you with local resources. Um, They are very good at helping um, families create care plans, connect them with people who can help them, and give them the information in case we're not in the office. And we have an office in Norfolk um, by Centurion Lee Hospital and another one in Williamsburg. So we have two local offices here, and we are ready and you know to receive people to come into the office starting august 2nd i believe um we've been closed for about a year so august 2nd was when we will open again to the community wonderful and if i'm listening and i'm interested in having elisa uh to partner with my organization to help uh, raise awareness around this issue for the black community can you provide your personal information as well Yes, you can reach me. This is personal. You know what I mean. <laughs> you can reach me at A Lofton, A L O F as in Frank T O N at alz.org. Um, you can reach me there. Email is the best place to catch me because I'm on it all day, even if I'm in the community. And we're happy to um, talk with you and talk about how we can work together. Wonderful. Got to say, I love the mission that that you are on. Um, we've got about two minutes remaining. The piece about caregivers is so important. Caregiver burnout is real and having an ear is helpful. So I'm delighted to hear that you're providing programming um, support in that capacity, as well as just that that 24-7 kind of lifeline. Very cool. Yes, that's that's what we what we try to push out as much as possible because we know that after you're at work from nine to five and you don't have anyone to talk to and you're dealing with something in the middle of the night, you need to talk to somebody. So that 1-800 number is going to be key um, because we're not in the office, but there has to be somebody there to be able to help you and walk you through what's happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much for your efforts, Elisa. We'd love to have you back on the show, you know, in the coming months to talk, to talk more about this. This is an important issue and Really appreciate what you're doing. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Hey, this is Seiko, DJ Seiko Varner, the producer of this podcast. So when I'm not producing podcasts, I'm actually DJing wedding receptions, corporate events, proms, other formals. And I would love to take care of your special event. So our company is Positive Vibes Incorporated, www.positivevibes.com. Dot N-E-T. That's www.positivevibes, 
www.net We've been performing for over 25 years and we would love to bring our expertise and our fun to your special event. Positive Vibes Incorporated www.positivevibes.net Peace and Prosperity Welcome back. It's the 138th edition of Black Wall Street Today with Blair Durham talking now with Alvin Harris. He is the owner and operator of Seven Cities Auto Detailing, LLC. Uh, He is based out of Hampton Roads, Virginia, and is a retired U.S. Air Force veteran. Chip is also a proud and active member of the Tidewater chapter of Tuskegee Airmen Incorporated, where he serves as the military affairs liaison. Sir, how are you? I'm doing wonderful. How are you doing, ma'am? I'm doing well, too. Seven Cities Auto Detailing. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> you know, you did something that a lot of folks do. You made the kind of the military transition right into entrepreneurship. What was that like? I would love to hear kind of how that unfolded in your head when you started thinking about um, what you would do post-military. It was <laughs> it was an arduous decision. I can't tell you that. Um, once I did retire, I did go back for one year working for the military as a civilian contractor. Okay. But while sitting, literally, while sitting at that desk, it just, it didn't have the same feeling. Mm-hmm. It didn't have the same feeling as if I was wearing a uniform. And it got to a point where I was at work one day and, and my immediate supervisor walked in and he recognized that something just wasn't right for me. Uh, knowing me from the military, knowing how normally jovial I am and, and upbeat mm-hmm. He couldn't put his finger on it and I couldn't put my finger on it. And I, I sat there and I was like, I don't think I want to work for anybody else anymore. <laughs> right. Right. Never and again. I, I, I wrote out my plan and something that I advise and, and don't advise for anybody. I wrote out my plan on it, on the things that I wanted to do. I wanted to take the skill sets that I had attained while being in the military. I worked in transportation logistics but specifically transportation, vehicle operation, and vehicle maintenance. Uh, I took and wrote down each one of the skill sets that that was taught to me and invested in me by the United States Air Force, racked and stacked them, and looked at the cost because I knew at some point in time I would have to talk to my wife about taking money out of our savings to build this up. What I didn't do is I didn't tell her I was going to resign. And I don't advise that for anybody. Yeah, <laughs> got to give I, the full I, disclosure, right? Yeah, I did not <laughs> tell her that I was resigning from that job. And as one would imagine, uh, it was a uh, it was tense in the household. It, it was very tense in the household. My my wife literally didn't speak to me for three days <laughs> for, for that. Wow! But it put wow. pressure on me. It definitely put pressure on me and made me realize that okay, I got to make this thing work. Uh, because if it doesn't work, then I got to go back and work for somebody else. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. by me having a, a actual tangible plan that I could put in her hand that she could read, I think that made the transition better. And from that point, it was up to me to find the additional schooling, find the additional training that I could receive that could help me. I knew transportation. I knew literally how to detail vehicles from a military standpoint, because again, I worked in vehicle operations and one of the duties of a vehicle operator is um, detailing the command vehicles. So your, your base commanders, the different group commanders, uh, military jargon anyway. So you have to detail their vehicles 
on a daily basis. So I knew that side of the of the business. I didn't know the civilian side. So I, I located a, a, a literal detailing school in the state of Pennsylvania that was a, that was uh, accredited by the state. Uh, enrolled, received the training. They helped me get set up, and it's been on since then. It's, it's since two thousand from two thousand fifteen up until. The pandemic, uh, to, well, 2019 for me, uh, as you know, I have cancer and it reared its ugly head again in okay. December of 2019. I recovered. And then again, back in January of 2020, uh, I was rushed to the intensive care unit and it was, it was looking bad there for a moment, <laughs> but, yeah. but uh, uh, kudos to the medical staff. They he came through. They, they worked around the clock to get me back on my feet. And then soon after that, the pandemic hit. And my business was considered one of those businesses that was non-essential by the Commonwealth of Virginia. And I literally so, had, to, had to shut down for up until a couple of weeks from now. I'll be I'll be back up and running again. So Okay, good. Wow. So what a journey. I yeah. had to ask that question about the military piece because we live in an area, huge concentration, obviously, of military. Right. Right. Folks are retiring every day. They're trying to figure out that next move. It's very um hopeful and it's and inspiring to hear right. you say, Yeah, I did a few things that I wouldn't recommend, but <laughs> there's some things you can do, you know, if you're thinking about making that that transition. Um and then of course additional kudos on just your positive headspace to be able to kind of stay focused on what you're doing with everything that you're going through health wise and, and so forth. Yeah, you have you have to be. Um as individuals know, anybody who knows uh, has a health issue, period. This, <laughs> your mind can be the most dangerous place in the world. Oh, yeah. Cases. And what I didn't want to do, because I have, I have a wife, I have three kids, and I have two grandkids. Gotcha. And if they see me walking around here with my head down, feeling sorry for myself, feeling bad, I'm not helping them either. Because right. what I recognize is they're, they're along on this journey as well as I am. They're yeah. my support. When there is nobody else around, my wife and the two kids that are still remain uh, in this house, as well as my oldest son and my grandchildren, they 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 give me everything I need to push forward. And without them, they're the key piece to all of this, just based based off of their support. And they keep me out of my head, and it allows me to do what I feel being the one of the best individuals in this area in doing and, and, and that's detailing the vehicles for the different clients that I have uh, around the area here. Mm-hmm. You know, another, another key point you raise, um, it's just sort of the nature of doing anything, right. You're going to have to deal with adversity, you yes, know, right. and I think a lot of folks see entrepreneurship as the way out of whatever stress and crazy that they're dealing with, perhaps in corporate life or military life, right. but then they become an entrepreneur and they realize that if they're going to survive as an entrepreneur, they're really going to have to deal with crazy, oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm certain you can attest to the fact that, um, just the journey, even strictly on the business side yeah is an arduous one. Yes, ma'am. It, it is some definite long days. If you're, if you're not committed to the ideas or the decision that you're making to become an entrepreneur, 
just in my, and I'll say novice experience of being an entrepreneur, if you're not committed, your success is going to be very limited, uh, if at all existent. You have to go in full body. It, it can't be, it's not temperate. You can't do it one day and then take off two or three days later. There's something always happening in order for an individual that, that I have learned in order for an individual to have any type of success and your success. Uh, I, I guess I have to say this, your success is, is totally dependent on you because you're the one who's setting the standard for your product. And you're the one who's going to identify if something is a success story in the steps that you're making to build your business or if it's a failure, the general public, they're going to they're going to solicit you for whatever service that you are giving them. And they're going to give you that feedback. In my case, it's immediate. The, the very second that I am done detailing a, a boat, a car, a truck, motorcycle, whatever the case may be, when they come out and they look at their vehicle, I get that immediate feedback from them in different areas. It may take a survey or it may take making those phone calls to find out, you know, what you did good or what you did wrong. But you as an individual, you got to be 100% in. Mm-hmm. You can't get discouraged. You can't just stop because that's seven cities auto detailing is my baby. And, and I have to grow this baby. Mm-hmm. And, and if I'm not all in, then nobody else is going to be all in. And would you agree that in many instances, if not in all instances, it is more challenging because I think what you're saying is spot on, right? It's the law of the lid. You're not going to, you can't get past right. <laughs> you, right. right? In the business. Right. But it's more challenging to run your own company than it is to work for somebody else because guess what? You are the entire company. Exactly. You're the marketing, you're the accounting, exactly. you're the legal. <laughs> and exactly. so you've got to be willing to not only be and be the best at the thing that you do. Right. But you also have to learn all these other accordance skill sets. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. That make entrepreneurship work. Yes, um, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the part that I think, you know, folks see the glam, you know, they see the seven cities auto detail and, you know, fleet and they see the staff, but they don't see the work that goes into yeah. building that business. Exactly. Exactly. Again, that's, Back, I, I can. I have to bring it back to the home life. Um, when you're an entrepreneur, when you're a solo entrepreneur, that's a lot of hours that's again spent away from your wife and and or husband or whatever the case may be. It is and your children, and as well as you being committed to your business, you have to you have to make time for them, or it's going to be a strain on you. Right. Like I said, they, my wife and my kids are all in with me and, and they understand. But I had to learn a tremendous back to your point. I had to learn a tremendous. I knew nothing about marketing. I knew nothing about the Internet. I knew nothing about um, the finances of a business. Home life. Good at the finances of a home life. Home uh, business wise. I was totally clueless. I didn't know who to reach out to. And it was. It was literally by accident. I guess I can say by accident that I discovered you all and, and, and realized that, okay, there are outlets out there and people that I can talk to to help me build my business. Uh, so networking 
is definitely a key. And then through my client base, my client base turned me on to a lot of different programs and a lot of different things, um, regulatory things that I had no clue about, but they knew based off of what I was doing and they helped me. They were willing to, you know, extend a hand out and, and, and get me to a position where I am right now. Uh, Like I tell anybody, my, my goal with my business is for it to grow. I do. Like you said, I do want to have that fleet and I do want to have that personnel. But again, along with that, you got to be able to, to train your personnel. You got to be able to, to handle all of the HR, the, the human resources that comes with oh that. Oh my goodness. You have to be able to negotiate those, uh, the different personalities and attitudes that come with that. Yes, but if you, as a, as a single entity, if you're setting a standard doing what you're doing every day, that has a way of, of transferring or, or, or a trend level of transference to those individuals, because you're going to be looking for individuals that are like you. Correct. To your business. Correct. You know, one of the things that I did know coming in that nobody cares for your business more than you care for your business. Correct. And, and Absolutely. so when you bring those people on, they need to know and understand these are the rules. These are the processes. These are the procedures on how we're going to conduct business and any deviation from that. You, you have to do what you have to do at that particular point. Alvin, I don't want to conclude the interview without giving you an opportunity to talk specifically about Seven Cities Auto Detailing. Where can we find you? I know you're reopening, right? We'll be able to get our vehicles detailed yes, in ma'am. August. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I'll be one of the first to contact you. <laughs> I'm in the market for a full detail. <laughs> so, so give us the website, give us the phone number and all the things. My website, I, I actually have Mr. Carter. He's actually helping me build, uh, get, the build get the website built and, and put out there. But until that point, you can definitely reach, thank you. You can definitely reach me through Facebook, Seven City, the number seven, Cities Auto Detailing. Uh, all of my information is there. Just hit me up in the message box um, uh, through that email, or you can contact me at 757-768-2250. I try to answer the calls as soon as they come in. Uh, obviously, if I'm doing work, I can't answer it then, but I do have voicemail and I get back. I, I do get back to those individuals who do leave a message. And you can email me at A-H-A-R-R-I-S at 7Cities. Again, the number 7CitiesAutoDetailing.com. And I do respond to the emails as well. Uh, my my evenings, I have time slotted out in the evenings to make sure that I do correspond with those individuals who are looking for me to detail their vehicles. And, and even if not, um, just to let them know that I did receive it and to give them, you know, whatever information that they do require um, if they want to do their vehicles themselves. I, to an extent, I'm an open book. I'm here to not only provide a service, but if you need help, if there's something that you're trying to do on your own for your own vehicle, I can give you, I give that information. It's, it does me no good to hold on to all of this information uh, and, and not pass it on to people. So those are the three ways that you can definitely uh, find me. I'm on Instagram as well, uh, Seven City Auto Detailing, and Auto Detail, I'm sorry, Seven City Auto Detail, and and on Twitter with the with the same uh, handle. So I meet all the media 
uh, social media standards as far as the business is concerned. And, and obviously, if you see me out, uh, just say hello. <laughs> Perfect. Sir, thank you so much for your time today. I'm so excited about the forward movement of Seven Cities Auto Detailing. Looking forward to patronizing your establishment myself. (laughs) Yeah, and we welcome you back to the show in the future as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Chip. Awesome. Awesome. Have a blessed day. (laughs) You too. We're good to go. Okay, so I'll be hitting you up. Um, What did you say? Two, three weeks? Um... My matter of fact, I got my calendar up here right now. I okay. um, because the minute I put that information out there, people hit me up. I know. Okay, I'll just reach out to you directly. The, I, this isn't on. We're done with the air. We're done with oh, okay. the air. Yeah, it'll definitely be September. Um, okay. Okay. Good. But I can get it, get you in because they they especially the guy with the boats. Uh, it's an actual oh company with, with the boats. And he, yeah. he hit me up like, but I got two of them right now, Chip. So I was like, okay. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> got to get you back up and running. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I've been looking forward to this. So yeah. thank you. Thank you, Miss Durham. I truly appreciate this. This was. I appreciate you as well. We'll talk again soon. A huge thank you to Miss Elisa Reed Lofton, the Diversity Inclusion Manager with the Alzheimer's Association of Southeastern Virginia. For more information about the incredible work that they are doing, you're invited to visit alz.org forward slash S-E-V-A. And thank you to Alvin Harris, the owner and operator of Seven Cities Auto Detailing LLC. What a fun show. Um, super excited and listen, looking forward to talking next week. Joining us will be the author of Solving the Race Issue in America, a gentleman by the name of H.J. Harris, and also Miss Tanisha Newman. She is the founder of the Newman Fitness Foundation Incorporated. So uh, some more great content coming your way. Thank you for tuning in to Black Wall Street today, where we're building minds, building connections, and forging the path ahead toward business success in the Black community. This show was brought to you by the consulting services of Positive Vibes Incorporated. We do credit fixes, we do debt restructuring, and we put money in the pockets of real estate investors. So give us a call. We can fix your credit. We can restructure your debt. And if you're a real estate investor, I would love to put thousands of dollars into your pockets. 757-932-0177. That's 757-932-0177. Stay with us online at Black Wall Street Today on Facebook and Black Wall Street Today on Instagram. And then follow us on Twitter as well at BWS Today. We look forward to talking again next week. Have a wonderful week. I have said and I will continue to say that the most important priority for the Black community is the Black community, not a particular political party. Hey, yo, when I say Black, you say Wall Street. Black, Black.